0: Hi guys, and welcome to the second season of the YamCast, where we help young adults navigate this world and assist anyone in starting a young adult ministry. We do this by going through some books of the Bible that we are currently going through with our own young adult group. I am one of your hosts, Erica Haas.
1: And I'm the other host, Chris Stukenberg. We love to guide this age group through life and their faith. And this season, we're actually going to cover the book of Ruth, Mm -hmm. and we're super excited about it. So if you'd like to know more, check us out at Instagram at the YAMcast or Facebook at Pod, or you can email us at YAMcastPod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends, because we all know that sharing is caring. Subscribe, rate, and review on any of the podcast platforms.
0: Well, welcome back, Chris.
1: Hi, Erica. How are we doing? Oh, so good.
0: How's the new house?
1: Uh, don't know yet.
0: Oh, okay.
1: We had our first night staying in it last night, and I'm still not sure. Everything's on everything's in boxes. and.
0: It's not home yet.
1: No, it's going to take weeks to settle in. Mm-hmm. But Heidi found the piece to the table that we've been looking for today in the storage unit, so she put the table together in the kitchen. <laughs> so that's something. She sent a picture saying, look, we have a table. That's where our lives are at right now.
0: That's always a good thing. Thanks, COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, COVID.
1: Everything's COVID's fault.
0: Well, we are back after, yep, COVID and moving. We're glad to be back.
1: It is. It's good to be back.
0: And we are actually finally going to finish up Ruth 4. I know you've all been waiting, wondering if it was ever going to happen. Well, here it is.
1: We might even cut this episode in half and make you wait for the other half of Ruth <laughs> 4 like six weeks from now.
0: Like they did with like Harry Potter, Twilight, part one and part two. You'll have to listen yeah. to the entire thing to be sure. It's a way to get them in, Chris. Way to get them in. That's right. So we're going to start out with um our shout out. We We talked about doing a whisper out. But it was awkward. That failed. But. Fun idea, Chris. Keep those coming. Yeah.
1: You just never know when when it's going to be a gem. I feel like you're patronizing me here. No, but
0: really though, you never know when it's going to be a gem, a gem (laughs) of an idea. (laughs) So our shout out this week is to Mark DeWall.
1: Thanks, Mark DeWall. That's so helpful. You're the best.
0: Um, So he responded on Facebook to our relationship podcast, and he had said he had quoted Chris and said, "Stop teaching a simple morality and start teaching gospel-centered relationship ideas." He said, it's so, so good. I'm finding more and more every day how much this is missing in the lives of high school and college kids who were raised in the church. Definitely a topic that has been shied away from and played safe for a long time. You guys nailed it. Thanks.
1: I'm impressed by that comment. That makes me feel great. I made a really good comment there.
0: I know. Good job. (sighs)
1: So
0: that's our shout out for the week. Thank you, Mark.
1: I think we have a call to action
0: we do <gasps> so your first step <sighs> da, 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 in your call to action call was to to su- action was to subscribe sorry i cut you off there that was good was to subscribe on whatever platform you use second call to action was to share because sharing is caring
1: sharing is caring
0: or as you know somebody said love others have used you love yourself whoa <laughs> love others you love yourself that's what it was step three. Are the R's and I know I left you guys hanging and you were wondering what those R's were. We had lots of different ideas thrown out, but it was rate and review. We would love that. Oh, love that for you makes to rate and so review. So
1: much sense now. Mm-hmm. Rate is an R word, and so is review. That is also an R word. The R's, oh, Erica.
0: This is good. You're going back to school, James. Everyone,
1: James is in his senior year of high school, and he doesn't know how to spell these words.
0: With that silent W, gets you every time.
1: Yep. Just like the silent Z in front of Gullible.
0: Gotcha. Bingo. Fell right into that hole. All
1: right, so the the R's are... (laughs) Rate and review. We want you to rate. And we have clearly been joking... At the very end of every episode, when James says, everyone, you need to rate with a four and a half to five stars. We know that there is no four and a half. True. I've gotten a little feedback from people.
0: Really? (laughs) That's great. Uh,
1: We are aware that five stars and four stars are the only two options you can give. What we're subtly implying there is we would just like five star reviews. Mm -hmm. It's a very subtle way of keeping you giving us five star reviews. Yes because we're trying to pay for our lives with this podcast.
0: <laughs> it's going well.
1: So far, we have made zero dollars. That's okay. I'm just I've, kidding. It, this has noth- priceless. This has nothing to do with us making money, just to be really clear. Yeah. But if you're a sponsor and you want to sponsor this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> uh, so
0: You can email us at. <laughs> Anyways.
1: <laughs> and we did give some relationship details in our we we updated our show notes so those are there okay perfect people have a bunch of books so if you were looking for stuff i know that we said that we just forgot to put those in the show notes the first time but we have updated those and i checked itunes a little bit ago they are there so if you are if you listen to the episode and you're like you guys said that and it wasn't there go back and look there's a ton of stuff there but we have some other things to add too so what are those
0: yeah so this might have been in there but relationship goals sermon series by mike todd is really good also, Heart of Dating, they have a conference that you can um, – the conference is technically over, but I believe you can still pay to get all of their online resources. And they have a podcast, so you can go check out those.
1: And there's a good chance we're never going to have a conference again in our entire lives. It's all going to be – Every e- Everything's getting canceled.
0: E-conference.
1: All the way through –
0: because that's what that conference was. It was all through Zoom, actually. Oh, it was. It was mm-hmm. a Zoom conference. Mm-hmm. And then you can click on the, the other videos to watch the different things. But
1: Can you imagine how stupid that sounded 60 years ago? A we're going to have a conference? Zoom conference. And now we all know exactly what that is. And we don't enjoy it. Thanks, COVID.
0: <laughs> yep. Screen fatigue. A little bit.
1: All right. Moving on.
0: Yeah. Ruth 4. You know, we're excited to finish this off.
1: Basic Storyline.
0: So we're going to do things a little different this time with our basic storyline. We're actually just going to read through it and talk about it as we go through. So it's not super long, so bear with us. And it's really good. It is. Action-packed. Go for it. If you will. So, Ruth 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. All right. So I feel like that's a good stopping point. So lots of people sitting down.
1: He says, Come here, friend. The word there is really so and so.
0: Really? <laughs> Come here, so and so. You like pretending like he doesn't know his name?
1: Uh, no, it's just, it's those play on name things. Okay. Like Malan and Killian. Like
0: you're not really that important.
1: Right. Right. Like COVID and Black Plague from the first. First mm. episode, or whatever we called him.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Sickly. <laughs> Sickly and frail or whatever. So they, lots of people are sitting down. Yep. So he obviously is going to have a conversation with him. But then what's interesting is he has men from the city, elders from the city, come and sit down as well. Why would he need that?
1: So they're sitting down actually in the city gate, which is the place where all the business is done. Oh, okay. So if you were to walk into a town in... Uh, Israel today and you found the ruins you'd have a wall around the city and the city gate would be the, basically the doorway in and out and that would be where everyone would hang out that was kind of the I don't want to say tavern because they weren't just sitting there drinking but that was where everybody hung out and that was where all the major businesses things were done so if someone from another village was going to try to make a deal with your mayor they would find him at the city gate and all the elders would be sitting there they didn't have mayors. But they, they would come. They would talk to the city, main city elder, who would then talk to the other elders. They would make the decision, send you back to your city elders at your city gate and go back and forth, blah, 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 blah. So when he starts this thing off and he says, I want you to sit down right here, where they're sitting is at the city gate. It's a major business decision. And if the if something's going to be done here, it, it's official.
0: And he needs witnesses kind of too, right?
1: Totally. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's not just witnesses. These are the witnesses. So if the elders say, this is what we're going to do, then he's got it. So what he basically did, it'd be like walking into a courthouse today and saying, hey, I have a decision that needs to be made. All of you judges, come over here real quick and let's sit down together. I have a, I have a conversation to have. Oh, by the way, hey, you so-and-so, come over here real quick, sit down next to me, and we're going to You're going to be part of it, too. Yep. And little does so-and-so know that he's actually a part of this whole story.
0: Like very major player. Yep. All right, verse 3. the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of... in Sorry, take my... Sometimes I'm like, what are they saying? Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it.
1: They speak weird.
0: Words are hard, you know, sometimes. Well, it's
1: also hard because in Hebrew, it says things and then we try to translate that in English and sometimes when you translate it in English it sounds like weird English.
0: Yeah it's like the structure of the sentence seems off.
1: But it's, So every, deci- every decision that a translator has to make is whether is this going to make sense to Americans or not and sometimes they decide we're going to make it make sense and sometimes they decide we're going to stick with the word order and mm-hmm. it just makes things weird. So th- we've, we've talked about Moabites a little bit in this story but I, I want to point you back to Numbers chapter 25. Do you remember the Balaam-Balak situation? You know what I'm talking about?
0: Uh, you might need a freshman memory. So
1: Balaam is this prophet who gets hired by Balak, the king of Moab, to curse Israel as they're marching into the promised land in Numbers. And they don't quite ever make the promised land, but Balaam gets taken up on a hill, and he's supposed to prophesy. And every time he goes to prophesy, the Lord tells him, you're not allowed to say that about Israel. And so then three times he does this, and it keeps getting back. This is the same dude that gets uh, a donkey to talk to him. Oh, okay, yep. I didn't know the donkey one. Yep, I should have started with that. You, you wouldn't have looked at me so blankly. So... Here's what happens, though. So the, the, in that story, Balak keeps—so the king of Moab, Balak, keeps trying to get the Israelites to be cursed through Balaam. And Balaam, the guy who talked to the donkey, is like, curse, 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 but he can't curse because God keeps telling him, no, you say this. So every time he comes down to say his curse to Balak, Balak, here's what the Lord told me. Then he says, Israel is greatly blessed and they're amazing and mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to touch them. And Balak's like, no, I paid you money for this. So what ends up happening in the very next chapter is all of the women of Moab— come into the camp and begin to seduce all of the men of Israel. So we've left that part of the story out, although if you haven't noticed all the correlations that we've seen in Ruth so far— Ruth has all kinds of this stuff going on, right? There's always this kind of hint of what really happened, didn't mm-hmm. happen, what happened, didn't happen. Is this happen.
0: scandalous? Is this not? Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: So, part of what's happening here when he, he sits down, he's like, Listen, so and so, sit here. Uh, there's a field that a guy died. You get to have the field. And he's like, Oh, that sounds awesome. I'd yeah, love to who have wouldn't it. Want it. Who wouldn't want more land? Let's do it. I, I make more money that way. He's like, Oh, by the way, if you get the land, you also get the Moabite. And he's
0: What is that? And this
1: dude's like, No, 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 no. He's I like, I can't do that. My kids will be angry if I marry a Moabite. Or my wife will be angry if I marry a Moabite. Well,
0: and it's also, because he says, like, you can can perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. So there's also part of that, too. Yes. Because that first child ends up perpetuating that inheritance and is technically not yours.
1: It splits the inheritance to some extent. Now, granted, the land that he's receiving would go to the firstborn child. But there's a part of it that seems like he's a little greedy here. Like, I want it all, but I don't get it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: second part of it is... There's a there's a strong assumption here that he's married.
0: Yeah, I would. Otherwise, his inheritance
1: wouldn't matter, right? If he says, you know, I don't want to mess up my inheritance. Can you imagine coming home to your wife, saying, "By the way, I got married today. We got a piece of land out of the deal, but I have a mobile bite now." And she's her name is Ruth, and she's in the other room. And she uh, seems nice. We're related.
0: I mean, it definitely is different back then. Multiple wives was a far more common. Than it is now, so now that would be like, a, uh, Excuse me, that's against the law, you can't be doing that. Then, I mean, they still would have been like, You've got some explaining to do,
1: and it wasn't supposed to be as common as it was. Yes, like then. yeah, that was, that's one of the disclaimers we want to throw out there. And the dating and relationships podcast, we didn't touch on that, but that's a part of it. Uh, that no one was supposed to do this, like, this is kind of a, a thing. But can you imagine, honey? I went, home, I went out to get some milk, and, and I my, sat
0: down by this guy on my
1: way home. Boaz called me so-and-so, and then he gave me a wife. And she's but I got really, land.
0: I got land, too. She's really
1: cute, but she's a hard worker, and she's in the back right now. And uh, Yeah,
0: that probably won't go I'm well. I'm going to try
1: to have a kid with her so that we can keep the family line going. That'd be a little weird.
0: So, yeah, you kind of said he could be seeming greedy, or he could be just being a very smart man and kind of being like, that's probably not going to go well for me and what I already have going on. Oh, it's not? So,
1: there's no way it's going to go well for
0: him. Yeah. So, I'm gonna I'm going to pass.
1: And I think the fact that all the city elders are there, he knows this is an official legal decision. Mm-hmm. If I were to have this type of, okay, for just where I'm about to go, this would never happen in real life. But so if, some, like, Time if, out. if someone said, you, there's this woman over here that you need to marry to keep the family line going, you know full well I'm having a conversation with Heidi before that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, that's a ridiculous, happen, it's a ridiculous but. scenario. But if, But this is a legal binding situation. So there's a shrewdness to Boaz here, putting him on the spot in the way that he does. But when we say that he's not willing to put himself at risk, it's not just him. It's his whole family. Yes. It's his marriage relationship with his wife. So he's actually being wise to say, eh, you know what? I didn't realize there was a woman involved. I'm good.
0: Why do you think that he he led with the land instead of coming out right with everything? I think Boaz start?
1: is a master negotiator. Okay. There's a lot of reasons, we're going to talk about this a little bit in a, in a second, but there's a lot of reasons to believe that Boaz is a little wiser and a little further in years. We've talked about how he said to Ruth, you know, you could have gone for a younger yeah. man, but you stuck with me. I think Boaz is is shrewd, 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 and part of that is because he's old enough to be able to, to see the playing field and make decisions that ultimately benefit him.
0: So now when you say shrewd... Because I always think of that as being a really negative thing.
1: That's where I was about to go. Are you
0: meaning that? Perfect. No. Okay. Shrewd
1: doesn't need need to be negative. Jesus tells his disciples to be shrewd. That's the it's the same concept. Shrewd just means being able to read the field and make a good decision based on it. Most of the time, we use that for negative because Mm -hmm. we see those people as manipulative.
0: Or they're like keeping things close to the chest, or they're like could be. Kind of like I think of Taming of the Shrew with like William Shakespeare, where they're kind of the more difficult person. They don't they're not easily like they're not really like the bubbly, fun person. They're more of like the I don't know, stoic, serious. I'm trying to. Yeah.
1: Well, and the good news is shrew and shrewd are different words. They are connected to one another. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a shrew is a type of animal. So when he's saying the taming of the shrew, that's a difficult animal to get along with, but it ends up being beneficial when you get to be friends with it. It's not much different than shrewd as, a, as an adjective. What shrewd is, is, I, you know, like a good CEO is shrewd. They're able to read a business situation and go, if I do this, this, and this, I'll get what I need. Now, we see, again, we see that as manipulative. It doesn't necessarily need to mean manipulative,
0: but it's doing what's best for you. In some cases.
1: It doesn't necessarily have to be what's best for you. Because if I made a shrewd, let's say that we decided to plant a church and we picked a location that is really wise of us. And as we move into that location, we find a a church that's empty and we purchase it for a dollar. That would be a shrewd business decision. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just means that we see the playing field and we're willing to make the right move. To make the playing field go, Does the, do you with me? So this, mm-hmm. th- I understand that it may come across as this is what's best for you, but it also could be what's best for everybody else. Like his shrewdness here benefits all of us by the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we kind of have to read it as I know that it could come across as be careful, like don't hang around those people. Having a shrewd friend or two can be a really good thing, as long as they're bene- as long as they're compassionately shrewd. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? If all they're ever doing is trying to get what's best for them, that's messed up. Yeah. But if you're with friends and they're like, hey, we shouldn't go down that street because this I see all da-da-da-da-da, I know this is going to happen. And they go, we're going to go this way instead.
0: It's what's best for the group. It, it's a
1: good thing. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just being able to read the playing field and make the right decision. Sometimes what ends up happening is you don't care about what other else thinks and what everyone else does. And that's usually how we use the word shrewd. Yes, would, yeah, right? I agree. Typically, it becomes more of a, a personal thing. But shrewd is is much wider than that. And Boaz is making a good decision here. So,
0: All right, verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning re- redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnessing this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Milan. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Milan, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day." Stop there.
1: That's just like how we do deals today.
0: Give me that sandal. Do you
1: remember? I mean, when you signed a contract to join the Yamcast.
0: We exchanged sandals. That
1: lifetime contract that you had to sign with, <laughs> like ups, with zero payment. <laughs> remember that? Yep. Yeah, so we then each took off a sandal, and we passed it to one another, and we yelled to all the elders of the land, Hey, did you see We're this? We're doing this. Yeah, the Yamcast is Same about to be launched.
0: when I, you know, sign my teaching contracts.
1: When Aaron got on his knee to propose, and he didn't didn't hold out a ring first. He actually took a shoe off, gave it to you. (laughs) You you gave him your sandal, and then he gave you the ring and said, do you marry me? All right, this works now. And you said, it's legit because we should exchange sandals. And then I
0: screamed out the window, to everybody wondering, I love this man. Yep.
1: No, that's not how it goes today at all. And while it may seem weird, uh, shoes, feet, sign of trust, you're willing to step into world with somebody it's 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 walking a mile in their shoes so to speak not the same concept because that's a later roman idea but a shoe as a as a value
0: so like do they legit exchange them yes so now he's walking with the other guy's shoe
1: he'll get the other one back
0: oh okay (laughs) i was just i'm just curious once the
1: elders make the decision they swap back and they
0: okay. good to go. Because actually, that would be, be actually kind of awesome.
1: <laughs> So-and-so has size 14s. And
0: you're like, oh, man. Like, man,
1: i got to clump all the way home. This is stupid. Why do you have such big feet? so <laughs> oh. and so is like, you're,
0: you're so small. Barely fits in my big toe. <laughs> He's like, why am I scraping my feet on the ground? Anyway. That, that's legit. Oh, that's Also,
1: great. not at all how it happened.
0: No. All right.
1: <laughs> Verse
0: 11, right? Uh. Yes.
1: Erica if at your wedding please I
0: <laughs> I know where you're going
1: uh, I proceeded to pronounce you man and wife and then I began to declare from the front of the of the place that we're you're, you're getting married something along the lines of may the lord make you Erica this woman who's coming into the house of Aaron like Rachel and Leah first of all are those the best two people from scripture that you'd like to be compared to
0: Probably not.
1: Okay. How about Tamar?
0: Definitely not.
1: (laughs) It's weird, right? Yeah. And so back to the basic storyline thing. If we're looking at the basic storyline here, this is a weird moment.
0: I thought so. I was very confused as to why these people were the ones that were picked out of all the history. I mean, there's things, because I was like, oh, you could be talking about Rachel (laughs) and Leah because of, They're the mothers of Israel. Well, and they have a lot of children. So maybe it's just, sure, you know, like, so that your womb can have lots of children. I don't know. Fertility. (laughs) That's what I, like, wrote down. I was like, it's for fertility. (laughs) But then with Perez and Tamar and Judah, I was like, now I'm confused.
1: Hold on. Are you writing them in, like, a journal or what? Like, you said you wrote it down. I want to— Well, I wrote it in
0: our notes. Where's
1: this? Oh, in in our notes. Yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't, like— I just imagine you (laughs) flipping through your Bible years from now, and it says— for fertility. Pray and you're like, what are we talking about? N- yes. Part of it is, may you have children like these people had children. But specifically, these tribes wouldn't exist without those people.
0: Very true. You know
1: what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So Rachel and Leah are both married to Jacob. Uh, very combative relationships between the, the, the multitude of them. Multiple children. 12 boys, who knows how many girls. We know of at least one in the story, but we who knows how many times they have kids. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge family. That's part of it. It might have something to do with fertility. More has to do with may Israel prospered under these two, even though it wasn't under the best circumstances. Tamar, that would have been the end of Judah's line. The tribe of Judah would oh, have yeah. never existed yeah. if Tamar hadn't done what she did. So they're saying, may you have the same shrewdness as Tamar, mm. who's willing to kind of... Do what, do what needs to do. get done to get things right, which is what Ruth has done so far in the story, and you know these two other women are the the mothers of the of the people of Israel, which is kind of a big deal.
0: Yeah, I did a little research because obviously I was like, I don't really know these things, and just found some interesting things. I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean they are in Bethlehem, correct? Right. Yes. So it is. I saw something that said also that Perez was possibly, like, the founding person of the Bethlemites. Yes. So I also wondered if that was why they talked about him as, like, because, I mean, you talked about the founding ones of, like, Israel, and now we have, like, the founding of their totally. their city, town.
1: The, the forefathers or the, you could almost say them as the elders of the land, of the people, you know. Mm-hmm. there's a part of that that's true. Perez is pretty minor. Oh, is that how you
0: say it? Perez? Well, I've been saying Perez. You can say Perez. That's, <laughs> okay. that's how we would say it
1: today. Most Hebrew words, and this is a nerd moment no one cares about, most Hebrew words, the, st- the second syllable is the one that's
0: emphasized. Okay. Whereas so, ours, it's the first, yeah.
1: Typically it's the first. So we say Rachel, whereas it would probably be Rachel. Okay. You know what I'm saying?
0: I mean... You say that's a nerd moment, but all I can imagine anybody who reads their Bible is like, I want to say these words right because I look like an idiot if I don't. Yeah.
1: And so typically it's the last syllable. Sometimes it's the second or third syllable, but it's very rarely, if ever, the first first. syllable. So you know how when somebody speaks another language and they come to our, you know, they're talking to you and it's hard for you to pick up, most of why it's hard for you to pick up what they're saying has nothing to do with whether they're using the correct words. It has more to do with the fact that they put emphasis on different syllables. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yes. So when they do that, you are looking at them going, I think I know what you're saying, but I can't understand. It's taking me a bit. Part of the reason is because they emphasize different syllables based on their language and how their language works. So if you talk to a Hebrew who's speaking English, you're going to be like, dude, you're putting all the emphasis in the wrong places. No, they would see it as I'm putting the emphasis in the right place. Just like when you go there and you slaughter Hebrew in front of them, (gasps) any of us, right? You know, when you hear someone say, like, your French is really bad, and you're like, why do you say that? Uh, usually it's because we are putting mm-hmm. the emphasis in the wrong syllable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a joke. It's kind of, it's a syllable.
0: Yeah, right. I, know. So what, yeah, so yeah I know. It's Yeah, I got you. Right. I mean, there's also some, I also read some connection between, you already kind of alluded to it, with Tamar and Ruth that, um, or wanting Tamar to kind of have that shrewdness, or tar- well, sorry, wanting Ruth to have the shrewdness of Tamar and they both are moabites, right? That's what I had read. I could be wrong.
1: It's very possible. I don't remember. Let me while you're saying that, keep going. I'm going to okay. look up Tamar. where is she's from. She is definitely not Israelite, yes, but I I'm not that, sure if yeah. she's a Moabite. Keep going.
0: So that they both would if they are be Moabites and that they both almost had to be shrewd to be able to do what they needed to do. So like Tamar seducing her father-in-law, um, Ruth, I mean we kind of talked about this with Ruth 3, that she didn't really seduce him, but she needed to do something. So she had to kind of take matters into her own hands um, by uncovering Boaz's feet. So they both kind of did things kind of mirroring each other. Um, yeah.
1: She's definitely a Canaanite. Her And Judah's wife was also a Canaanite, which is, again, you're not supposed to do that. Like, they, mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't supposed to do this. So she he made multiple mistakes. But we just don't have Moab's not involved. So we okay. don't know that she's a Moabite. It's not that she wasn't, but there's no guarantee that she was a Moabite. Anyway, keep going. I
0: mean, yeah. that's always, yeah. So just that they, yeah, that they kind of totally. mirror each other and some of the things that they had to do to, to make. And, I mean, that kind of goes into the genealogy that we'll talk about later. Like, without those things, yeah, that perpetuates the genealogy. Otherwise things would be different.
1: And we'll jump into that just a little bit more on the deeper dive in a minute too. So, mm-hmm. alrighty, Verse 13, want me to pick it up? Sure. Are you, are you doing the heavy lifting? You can do it. So Boaz, that's how you was, no, I'm just kidding. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And the woman, the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. And his father, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. You are me to keep going?
0: Sure, why not? All the way just, through? Yeah, just wait, right. right.
1: Now these are the side. generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fathered David or Dawood.
0: Which is really cool to see that, that line going down.
1: There's a genealogy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you see the follow there. Perez, this child that probably wasn't supposed to be born, but was born due to even weird results, Mm -hmm, right, with Tamar, has a son who has another son who has another son who has another son, and then eventually that gets to Boaz. Here's Boaz, for whatever reason, has no heirs at this point. He then has a child with Ruth, and that child becomes the grandfather of the greatest king in Israel
0: history. David. Pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So the the basic storyline of Ruth is this. God loves people. It doesn't necessarily matter if they're Israelite or not. He has chosen the Israelites to be a part of his story, but he wants the Israelites to draw others into it. And sometimes, even though they're stepping outside of what they should be doing, and I'm putting that in quotes, God is still going to use the storyline and go the direction he wants it to go to redeem his people and to do something amazing through them so that they might bless the whole world. Pretty cool. All right, what would you add to that?
0: Um, Yeah, I just see it as, as faithfulness too and just you know what needs to be done and not just sitting there but doing what needs to be done but then letting God do it. So, and I don't even know if um, Ruth would have thought of it in that way at that moment, but Naomi, I think, does a good job of discipling her in a lot of ways to kind of remind her that, like, you've done your part, and now you're just going to wait to see how it all pans out. So, Mm -hmm. and I think that's just indicative of our lives. We do what we can, and then we see how it's going to pan out, and then we move again, and then see how it's going to pan out.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's a great point. It's a beautiful thing for us to think about. So as far as the basic storyline, that's verse by verse version of the basic storyline. If you liked that, let us know so that we can keep, maybe we can do that going forward in the future, if that was a helpful way to deal with the chapter. But now it's time for the deeper dive. We really just have one topic this week, and it's going to be fairly short. But did you notice who gave conception in verse 13?
0: Yeah, the Lord did.
1: It's a little weird. There's not many places in Scripture where it's talked about this way. Typically, it says, this person went into this woman, and then she conceived. Mm-hmm. Almost almost without a doubt, throughout Scripture, you see that. However, in verse 13, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and he became; she became his wife. He went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. There are a number of significant supernatural births that occur throughout the Bible. Please understand, I'm not saying here that this is akin to the, some of the stories I'm going to tell you in just a second. However, there is some type of correlation that's happening. They, they want you to see the Lord is the one who did this. The Lord is the one who brought this about. Now, as we were talking about this before the show started, you said, well, the Lord gives every woman conception. Absolutely. There's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt if you follow Jesus, you believe that the Lord is the one who gave me this child. But for whatever reason, the scriptures don't always say it that way, right? So when Abram impregnates Hagar— There is no, the Lord gave her a baby. It's just she conceived and Mm -hmm. had a baby. However, Sarai or Sarah, who can't have children, the Lord gives her conception. So there's a number of things in the the scholarship that talks about, was she barren? Was she unable to have children? And the Lord pushed through and allowed her Mm -hmm. to have a child. That's a beautiful thing to think about. And it links her then to a number of characters in the scriptures who don't just have kids naturally. Think of Hannah and Samuel in the beginning of that. Mm -hmm. Think of, uh, well, Mary didn't have relationships with a man at that point, so there's no reason why she would be able to have a baby. However, the word is similarly used in Matthew to describe what's happening with her, that Mary has a child by the Lord's ability. The Lord gives her a child uh, supernaturally. Just as the Lord may be giving Ruth a child supernaturally, just as the Lord gave Sarai mm-hmm. a child supernaturally, so there's some part of the deeper dive that I just want to point out. There's something beautiful happening here where they're saying the Lord does something supernatural, which allows the family line to continue and to to go in a direction. Which then, when we get to David, we should be going, "Whoa, this isn't just a normal kid. This is a this is something's happening in this storyline where God's doing very direct." stuff that he doesn't always do with with the human storyline. And as God is making these direct moments happen, we should be thinking, whoa, there's something else going on here. And then you go way down the road, right? David's great-grandson, way down the the line, Jesus is born in the most supernatural of ways. Mm -hmm. But there's a linkage that's starting to happen through scripture about God giving conception to people and them having a child that ends up becoming a significant part of the story of God. That's really cool. It's really cool.
0: So I do have one other question before we move on. This was brought to my attention when I was chatting with some ladies, and they were Mm -hmm. pretty adamant that they thought, because Boaz was wealthy and because he was advanced in years, that he had a wife. At the same time, at least that's what I was picking up on, that they really believed that he there's no reason he would not have had a wife at the same time as going after Ruth, which I never had thought about, which also is my slightly 21st century American mind. But also thinking that this is such a beautiful love story, which I know that there's layers to it. But I just I never had thought about that. Like, what is that a reality?
1: So it is a beautiful love story. There's nothing to take away from the fact that it's a beautiful love story. The reason why it's here is to show us, even though the culture didn't necessarily look at love as the key element of what made a relationship, remember we talked about arranged marriages Mm -hmm. in the dating and relationships episode, there's nothing saying that love has to be an ingredient for one to get married. There clearly is love between these two decided upon even before they get married. So this is a love story. It's a unique Old Testament love story. There is no reason why Boaz wouldn't have been married before. So the question then becomes, because, okay, before I say the question I was about to say, every boy around 13 to 15 gets married. The only weird ones in Scripture who don't get married are significant characters. Jesus, for one, right? But that's why most people think Paul was probably married and deserted by his wife that's that's what some people think the the, when he prays three times to take this away from me they're thinking that might actually have something to do with his grief over this woman that left him and so when paul says things in corinthians like i wish everyone was as i am without a wife he's not saying i wish no one had a wife he's saying i have been freed up because she left me all i have is the lord now and so i'm running after the lord that's something with boaz As a 13- to 15-year-old, there's no reason why this man wouldn't have gotten married. Mm -hmm. He has a field. He has access to stuff. So the question is, did did his wife die? Did his wife leave him? Or is he currently married at this time, and he's married to someone who's barren? We have no answers to any of those things, and that's not a part of the story. Mm -hmm. But it is something that we should consider.
0: Because, yeah, I had read a few things, and a lot of them said it's definitely possible, but that we maybe shouldn't. Like we don't, it's not mentioned, so we shouldn't just assume. Either way, in some regards, we should.
1: Yeah, we should never assume anything. We should mm -hmm. let let Scripture speak for itself. So if the, so that's a great principle that we should talk about. If we were going to use a big fancy word, it's a hermeneutic Mm. principle, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, the study of the words. There, we never read into the Bible, so we should be careful not to read into it. So those three scenarios I gave you, those are the three most logical scenarios. But he may never have ever been married at all. It might have been a unique situation where he didn't get married for whatever reason. You know, maybe Boaz uh, is really ugly. You know what I'm He saying? might be. Maybe Boaz has no arms. I'm just making up random things. I'm like,
0: uh, it's possible
1: that Boaz, uh, you know, has a wooden leg.
0: I love these possibilities.
1: It's possible that Boaz's eyeballs pop out every once in a while. I don't know. We don't. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's possible that Boaz's nose is so large that he has to like hold it. Get... he has to hold it as he walks around the town. Stop that, uh, <laughs> like Squidward or something. So oh, that's
0: too funny.
1: the The truth is, we have no idea, and so for us to read into the story is a problem. Mm-hmm. But it's good to ask questions like that. But we can't if we can't answer it, then it's just a question that should hang over here and inform us as we're reading the story. Going, man, I wonder what that means. But it doesn't mean that we can ever answer it because the Bible doesn't give it to us. And the Bible is intentional about what is given to us and what isn't. Very true. So if we're trying to read into something that we can't possibly know, we should be careful with that. But if we're reading into something that the scriptures tell us, then we just need to study harder and dig more. But I guarantee you, there's nothing telling us what happened with Boaz yeah. and whether he was married before or not.
0: Because, yeah, these women were pretty adamant that he had to have been married and— they basically were like yeah Bo, like this is always shown as such a love story but if he's married then it can't be this like beautiful love story and i and i'm like but then if it if it's not supposed to kind of be that then why is it painted in that type of a picture you know what i mean i mean some people like to say that about esther that esther is like painted in this picture of being this great thing but actually i don't think it is i think we put that on Esther to be that way I don't think it's ever painted in this picture of like oh my gosh look at her she's queen like she has to go through a lot of hardships so
1: you are absolutely
0: right whereas this is actually I mean there's still hard things that are happening but it is painted as kind of a nice love story amidst craziness happening with the judges and I think as you said we need to kind of see it in yeah that light as well and maybe not put things in there that aren't in there it's beautiful. Yeah. So. Yeah. So one... Um, all right. Let's get practical. Let's get practical.
1: Practical. It's like we never even
0: lost a step. I mean... We're right back in it. So the one thing I really thought of during this, and this has to do with when I was studying the Tamar-Ruth idea, is one of the correlations they brought, to with Tamar and Ruth is that they're both technically rejected, Now, Ruth's is a little bit lesser because I don't know if, I mean, she would know that that guy chose not to take it because obviously Boaz comes back and is like, hey, I'm your man. But Tamar is very much rejected. And so I guess my, one of my things that I was thinking about during like reading through this was what do you do? And this is just some questions to ponder. What do you do with rejection for the listener? What do you do with hardship? Like what are your natural tendencies when those things happen? Are they healthy or like, could they be better? And both of these women, when they deal with rejection, is they, they go a different way or they cling a little bit more. So, I mean, the hardships that Ruth deals with, she stays true to people. She stays faithful. And then she sees what's around and kind of clings to those things with Boaz. Whereas like Tamar, you kind of talked about her being shrewd and she kind of, she, she does what she has to do to make it happen. And so I wanted to read this thing that I read, and you can kind of touch on it if you think it's, you know, theologically sound or whatever. But <laughs> it talks about the last bit of genealogy with Ruth, and I just thought it was really beautiful. So I'm just going to read it, read it uh, for you. So it says, the last bit of genealogy in Ruth places the coming of King David in the context of the lives of these women, which is talking about Tamar and Ruth. As David is the picture of the king to come, King Jesus, these women picture the bride that Jesus would take, sinful and rejected by men. These women, despite their rejection, cling to the covenant family with all that they have. And what would it look like for someone to be in that position in our midst? And I and that's from, um, I got that from Christ Church, which um, you can just, I will put it in our show notes too. It was a sermon little like blog that they did that I was just like, that's really, I really liked that. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it's well said. I, I'm always a little nervous when we try to make the Old Testament say more than it's meaning to. But in this case, there's no reason why, what I'm not saying what they're saying is wrong. I, it's absolutely true. The The beautiful thing about these particular women, and there's a few others in, in the Old Testament as well, they are rejected not just by men, but by Israelite men.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And so there's, a, there's an added bonus to this that there's a little thread of scripture that we're supposed to start noticing that the Israelites aren't open to what God wants them to do. So, going back to that promise that I just told you, like when we're talking about God bringing about supernatural children, and I don't mean like superheroes, I just mean Abraham shouldn't have had a kid through Sarai, and boom, God gives them a child. Mm-hmm. This situation right here should not have happened the way it did. And God supernaturally provides a child to Ruth, and everyone's celebrating it as they should. But what what we also should be noticing is the Israelites aren't exactly stepping up to the plate. What was God's promise through Abram? You are going to be a blessing to all nations. And the Israelites are choosing not to be a blessing to all nations. Jonah is the ultimate example of that. Mm-hmm. Jesus The number of times Jesus loves non Jewish people, even as he says things like, I came here for the Jews, I didn't come here for you. Whether you're talking about the Syrophoenician woman, whether you're talking about the Samaritan woman, whether you're talking, like, run through the list of all the Gentiles, these people that are not (coughs) Israelite in nature, allergies.
0: It's all right.
1: All these people who are not Israelite in nature, the Gentiles should be loved and shown God's mercy by the Israelites, and the Israelites don't do it. So what the picture of Ruth actually is, is I would totally agree with what they're saying. I would even take it a step further. They're not just rejected by men. They're actually rejected by God's family. And another person in God's family picks up the mantle and says, this is what we're going to do. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be looking around at the world going, I love the whole world. Even if they don't agree with me, I'm going to love them. I'm going to run with them. I'm going to figure out how to show them Christ. Instead, we just kind of hide away. And part of that's because of rejection that's because of hardship we go well the world hates me so why would i be nice to them since when is that your job like Mm -hmm. to hold a grudge so so i would totally say and to be practical with that our natural tendency yeah is to hide away or to shy away or whatever god's got a bigger plan for us
0: yeah i just love that he was saying like despite these women's rejection who they are foreigners and they cling to the covenant family they cling to being israelite and yeah they end up the israelites technically reject them but then there's yeah usually one that will welcome them in or whatever it is and and even though they're we're supposed they're, to be that and
1: even though they're rejected they become the lifeline that keeps the family going the way it's supposed to go
0: kind of like when you know jesus is talking about the last will be first and the first will be last like it very much kind of mirrors it's almost a little as bit
1: of that. if the scriptures are consistent from it's, the beginning all the like way it's like they know the, the story
0: it's beautiful it is it is pretty beautiful so
1: all right, here we go. You ready?
0: Sure. Go
1: we- into the city gates and we're going to change a sandal. Right? Sure. That's the way to get married if you're in Ruth.
0: It is. I like it. I have, you have, to, add of, I have to add a lot of
1: syllables to that song, though. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as smooth as it should be. But that's the Enneagram song for yeah. this
0: episode. I, I picked up on that. That was oh, good. I like that. Good. <clears throat> so, obviously, we don't have – I mean, I could have talked about the man – the so and so, but I wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about the benefit of knowing yourself before you're getting into a marriage and or even just into a relationship in general. Not that, not that you need to completely know yourself because you will not before you get into a relationship because being in a relationship brings out a lot of different things that you didn't even realize. Yes, right. And I always hated when people would say to me, oh, well, once this happens, like, then you'll get, once, once you're okay with being by yourself, God is totally going to bring somebody. Super helpful. Once you know yourself really well, or once you, all of these things, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, but that person, when they were 21, they were not okay with themselves, oh my God, whatever it might be. And so I was always hated those things. That it's not that... You, there's a, a point where it's like, I know myself so well, so now God's going to bring, that's not really what it is. But if you are in a place where you're kind of waiting for a relationship, then really get to know you, like spend this time wisely of getting to know yourself. So, well, you, I mean, yeah, there's things you can't really prepare for, but there are things that you you can understand. Right. And I I really found actually the Enneagram to be super helpful in that, just knowing how I tick And what things can be changed and knowing how Aaron ticks and what things can be changed that helps our communication. And, yeah, just I think overall it just helps us to be better people for ourselves and for each other and for everyone else around us. So whatever that looks like for you, get to know yourself.
1: Well, and let's be very careful. Those of us who love to dish out advice to people. Yeah. If you're trying to dish out advice to other people and tell them this person did this and so that's what you should be doing too. (sighs) the worst can you stop doing that just because there's no guarantee that anything's correlative and second of all each person's story is slightly different than the other person's so i find just as much beauty in a story where a 17 year old gets a 16 year old knocked up and they decide to hang around and they're still married at this point you know i have i have one story in my in my periphery not 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 close friends to mine but their friends are friends who were caught he actually served jail time because of that situation the parents turned him in because they were like this is statutory and da da, da 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 now they've got three kids and they're still married and they're they're doing great was it the perfect way to start the relationship no
0: absolutely is it not. something
1: i'd recommend to anyone else heck no but it's beautiful the way that they've responded to the to the adverse adversity and even though they started wrong they're still they're they're running the right direction now and they have found christ and all these beautiful things are happening They didn't know Christ, or at least they didn't think they knew Christ well in the beginning. But that doesn't correlate to anyone else's story. So we need to be careful instead of saying, oh, once you know this, and you'll know yourself better. No, I I need to figure out who I am and make sure that I I know some of this. And the only way to do that, as we've said multiple times, is by the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. Enneagram or DISC or any of these other personality profiles are helpful to build the picture for us, to go with us, but they're not the end-all be-all.
0: Because really, a lot of it comes, I've found it all comes to humility. Yes. So, if you are not a humble person in your regular life, being in a relationship is going to be real hard. Like, it's going to be almost impossible. So, yeah, you need to be able to say that you're wrong. You need to be able to hear what they have to say without getting defensive. Like, all of those things. And all of that comes back to being a humble person, right? Which is only happens through the Holy Spirit. So, that's good.
1: Agreed. That's really good. All right. This week for the la- the yam spot, lamb spot,
0: <laughs> wow, the
1: spotless lamb, <laughs> the lamb, the, spot. <laughs> the yam spot. Like are, our kind of closing thought for this episode. Here's here's what I I want you to consider here, and this is just a it's a kind of a philosophical thought, but I think it's helpful for us. Boaz and Ruth had no idea that their children were eventually going to become David. All they were was faithful in their moment, and the Lord used it. That's all we can do. There's no promise that any of us are going to become famous or amazing or blah, 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 blah. All the things that we're chasing after in this life, there's a good chance none of that's ever going to happen to us. But if you're faithful today and you're faithful tomorrow and the next day and the next day, who knows? You know, your grandkid could be the next Billy Graham. Your great-grandchild might be the one who sends people to Mars, uh, you know. Mrs. Musk, we're looking at you. <laughs> uh, but we we don't know how the story's going to play out. All we can do is today be what God has called us to be for today. And your your dreams are not to accomplish what you think they're going to be. Your thing is to serve God, love God, let God lead you. And then as you serve him, who knows? Your story might be as significant as some of these ones in the scriptures. But they had no idea what was happening. The day that they died, they had no idea that their their grand great-grandson was going to be king and that their great 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 great, great grandson was going to be Jesus. Like, that's amazing. But we don't think like that. We just think of, I want to have all this right now. And it's like, you're a part of a puzzle that's way, way bigger than you. Get over yourself, sit back, let God do what he's going to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm thinking of Mother Teresa. Like, she didn't just develop. She had people that really poured into her and developed her yes. into the person that she was, and none of them thought, I'm creating Mother Teresa right now. Like none of them.
1: Was she did she grow up in Tennessee or something? <laughs> something I'm, like that. I'm pretty sure she was <laughs>
0: <laughs> No, she was not. I, I think she was Eastern European. I think I've watched a little too much um <laughs> Southern shows. Um <clears throat> But that's that's also the thing is like they did what was in front of them. They had this woman and late little girl and they built her and discipled her and and pushed her forward. And then she saw things that made her want to do things. And yep. so it's just Yeah, but I mean, what they say, like, behind every, you know, big figure, there's a ton of other people that Mm -hmm. have been pouring into them. Uh, But I think also what happens is we get us focused, and we want to be X, Y, and Z. We want to have this impact. We want to have the followers. We want to have all of these things. And as Jesus says, like, if that's your goal and you get it on this earth, that's your reward. You will not have one in heaven, basically. So, yeah. So it's like, what is your focus? Is it making him great or you great? Right. But... Also knowing that he has something for you every single day. That's why you're still here. So doing those. And it's and it's the little things that end up making the big things actually come about. So do the little things in front of you day to day. Exactly.
1: You, you are significant even if your story, your name will never end up in the great, great, great story. You're okay. Mm-hmm. So do your job.
0: All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Catch us out. Next, catch us out. <laughs> Peace out. I get those things wrong all the time. Check us out and check. I I mix two things up. I do that all the time. Cause what I say, check check us up. I don't even remember now. Anyways, peace. You said peace us out. Peace. Yeah, it's something pizza. like two different things that I or, always meld together. I get those things wrong all the time. Or
1: pizza shout. <laughs> or maybe you spliced it together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so now we won't have a a shout out. We'll have a pizza shout.
1: We'll have a splice
0: out. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the YAMCast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at the Yamcast. I
1: think as where, wherever you feel like you need to stop and chat, we stop and chat as you feel led.
0: As the spirit leads you.